0: Let's go to John chapter 4, and let me just talk just for a few moments this evening about a few thoughts on soul winning, and I am very grateful for every one of you would come and be a part of the service on a Sunday night, and, uh, you know, winning people to Christ is the heartbeat of God, and that uh, people who do not win people to Christ and churches who do not will die by attrition. That's not the reason we win people to Christ so we can, we can grow or stay alive. We do it because God. So love the world. And it's a challenge. It begins with prayer. I remember listening to that testimony today with Brother Chad. I remember Brother Chad saying to me in those early days, Pastor, I am not a fruitful Christian. I grew up here. I went to the same schools, Sunday school classes, camps. But I have nobody sitting in church because of me. Because God used me to give the gospel and disciple them. And it's really eating my lunch. It's bothering me. You know, it bothered him enough to pray, to fast, to say, Lord, I don't want to stay like this. I don't want to just be good at playing an instrument or singing a song or being an usher or doing a camera or being a deacon or a deacon's wife and delivering a meal or fixing part of something with WMS or or working as a staff member or typing a letter or turning a wrench or fixing something or giving some money, and all of that's fine, it's all good. But all of us ought to be intrinsically motivated. God, give me one. You know, that one has turned into probably five or six. Jason is here, his beautiful sister. Jessica's gone through discipleship now. Several young people have been baptized in the last few weeks because a because one young man got a burden. It just, that's the way it happens. I could stand here all night, and maybe you would be good one day just to stand here and tell stories of how one person dominoed to the fact of another person and somebody else. It's a beautiful testimony. And God wants to use you. And when you hear these stories and you think, yeah, I don't have anybody sitting in church this morning because of me, but I'm just not good at talking to people. Don't buy into that lie. It, it, you can be used to God. And no one wants you to be used of God more than God does. It's his job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to draw people. And, you know, it doesn't, I am for door knocking and will door knock. I door knock and I'll you know, canvas communities. But, you know, there are people that you know, if you got a burden, God would use you. If you would pray, there are neighbors. You live in your place on purpose. I was talking to the other day about this and thinking about where I live and where we live. And I really don't want to move. Our kids are falling down like flies. You I know, mean, they're just falling away. You know, we used to sit with 10 of us. Now there's four of us, you know, and it's like really saddening and discouraging. But I think, you know, I don't want to move because I feel like God's doing something in our neighbor's life. I want to see God saved. We've had the joy to lead three of our neighbors to the Lord and others are not yet saved, but we're praying that God would save them. And I feel like I live where I live because because that's where God put me. And those people need Jesus. Brother and Mrs. Cowling have been such faithful examples of this in their community, and one by one, we're watching their neighbors get saved. You know, that's something you all ought to be concerned about. Your co workers You don't work where you work just because. There's a reason why you work there. There are people in that, in, that, in that sphere of influence. Jesus, one of the things about Jesus I really admire is he witnessed in the way. John chapter 4, he led a very wicked lady to the Lord. She would not have been probably our friend. She had been married multiple times. She was living in adultery at the moment. He, she wasn't someone that anyone else was going to. You could probably tell by looking at her. She probably had a slit in her skirt revealing her thigh. By the way, girls, let me just tell you something about that. God calls the thigh a nakedness. That's why you need to put clothes long enough to cover that. She probably would have had a slit in her, she probably would have had a plunging neckline. Probably when you saw her, you could tell that she didn't really care about modesty. She had the little black book in the town. Now, it's interesting, uh, in John chapter 3, Jesus led a man to himself who was on the polar opposite of this lady, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a religious guy. He was a guy who probably had memorized Genesis. Maybe Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He had sung many of the Psalms. Maybe he knew all 150 Psalms. I don't know. He had been giving every week to the poor and tithes. And and, uh, he was, as far as a religious guy, he was all there. He was all that. And then this chapter 4, he leads Nicodemus to the Lord, but he also leads this woman at the well to the Lord. I'm assuming many of you will know the story. I'll give it to you just in a moment. But really, everyone you meet will fall between Nicodemus and the woman at the well. Everybody you'll witness to will be either religious, and the religious and the rich, which is Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, those are the harder ones to reach. If you want to know that who are hard, it's the religious and the, and the rich. Those are the hard ones. They have to overcome a lot more challenges to come to know the Lord, Jesus, regardless of their religion. But if they're devoted to religion, it's a, harder, it's a harder nut to crack, if you will, but not too hard for Christ. Nicodemus, he, he, made, he was made fun of later on in the book of John, and then he actually pulled the beaten, bludgeoned body of Jesus off the cross, wrapped it up, cleaned it off, put spices in that, and together took with his friend Joseph Arimathea, who had enough wealth and enough pool in that community to go to Pilate and say, I'll bury him. Give me the body. And he got Nicodemus, and he pulled it off and pulled the nails out of his hands and out of his feet and and cleaned his body and wrapped his body and put it into that borrowed tomb. He was religious, and he was rich, and he got saved. This lady was On the other side of that, she was a Samaritan. The Samaritans weren't even allowed to go into the temple. She wanted to argue about religion. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. There are places that you're going to need to go through. There are situations, there's people that are going to be in your sphere of influence. They're not comfortable. And every one of the disciples knew that. None of them, when he said, let us needs go through Samaria, said, oh, good. They're like, come on. I'm sure Thomas said, I can't believe this. (laughs) Peter probably said a bad word. John and James were probably at the front and said, let's get through this quick. Let's get out of here. Because they normally wouldn't go through Samaria. They'd go along the Jordan River around Samaria. Just because in some ways, a Samaritan was someone who in their ancestry was a Jew who married with an Assyrian and they were the offspring and they wouldn't let them worship in the temple, so they had their own place of worship. And sometimes whenever a a Samaritan would walk by a Jewish man or a Jewish woman and their shadow would go on them, they hated them so much, some folks just get the shadow of a Samaritan, they'd run home and take a bath. It was a major bias, major prejudice against the Samaritans. But Jesus, when he realized, and everybody got it, that he, was, he and his disciples were baptizing more people than John, and it was causing a stir in Judea, in Judea he said, we better needs to go back up to Galilee. It's going to get hot here. It's going to get some problems. So let's go up to Judea. Hey, I must needs go through Samaria. And, of course, he made his way to Samaria. He walked. They were walking together. At noontime, they came to Jacob's well. He sat on the well. And he was physically tired, probably. And he decided with the disciples, why don't you go into the town and get something to eat and come back. So they walked in and it wasn't favorable for them because it was a Samaritan town. They're all Jewish men, but they go in. And as they're going into town, they pass up a lady with with the, the water buckets, either on her head or on her shoulders. She probably has more than one. And she is heading out to the well. She's not going in the morning time, in the cool of the day, or in the evening. She's doing at noontime, primarily because she wouldn't be welcomed in the morning with the other ladies in the little quilting bee that they would have or the time that they were getting water. And they talked about their their wives, their husbands, and they talked about their kids and their grandkids, and they got caught up with their girlfriends at the well. She would not have been welcomed there. They would have no doubt pushed her, pulled her hair, shoved her. She knew better than to go in the morning and go at night. She came in the noontime. When she came to the noontime, she met the stranger at the well. And Jesus sat there, and he sat there thus on the well, the Bible says. And he says to the lady, could I have a drink? And she comes back with a little bit of a terse response. She said, look. I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. I'm a woman, you're a man. We have no dealings one with another. Why would you ask me for a drink? And he said, well, if you knew two things, if you knew the gift of God and who is asking you, you could ask me and I would give you water that you would never thirst again. Well, he was thinking spiritually, she was thinking materially and she said, you, you can't give me water. You don't even have a bucket. This well is deep. Are you greater than our Father who gave us the well? He actually was. He made him. He even made the well and the water. He's the creator. And they begin to go back and forth, and you can see that, that uh, there, is, there is some definitely some pain. And by the way, hurting people tend to hurt people. She didn't understand two things that everyone who is not saved doesn't understand. They don't understand that eternal life is a gift. And they don't understand it's possible through Jesus and him alone. That is the barrier in every religious paradigm that's that's not true to the Bible, is they don't understand they think eternal life is a work and not a gift. And they don't understand it's only through Jesus, not through the church, not through baptism, not through a good life, only through Jesus. He said, if you understood that, you could ask me, I'd give you water and never thirst again. After some dialogue with this lady, she finally said, you know, give me this water that I don't have to come here every day and get water. You got water for me. Go ahead and give it to me. To which Jesus said, well, okay, go get your husband and and bring him back and I'll give you water. And she said, I don't have a husband. And then he said, you don't have a husband. You've had five. And right now, you're living in adultery, in immorality. And it put her on her heels, and she said, whoa, I perceive you're a prophet. She really instantly, because Jesus had to deal with sin. I was talking to a young man just today, and he said, Pastor, when I witness to people, I really want to be clear with them. And I said, amen to that. I'm not interested in one, two, three, pray after me. Be clear when you witness. It's too too important. It's life and death. It's not a time for you to say, well, I got me one. No, you didn't get anything. You're not there to get anyone. You're there to give people the truth. And make sure it's clear. You want to make sure that it's clear. And yes, everybody that I witness to, I want them to get saved. But But my job is not to save them. I can't save them. I'm giving them the truth, and the Word of God fosters faith. The Spirit of God brings conviction, and that's where salvation takes place. But you want to give it to them clearly. And uh, Jesus could have said, She said, Well, give me water. He could say, Okay, here's water. You got have eternal life. But he said, No, we, we got to talk about your sin. And of course, he knew her sin. He knew who she was. And and when you're witnessing to someone, when someone tells you, well, yeah, everybody's a sinner. I mean, everybody's a sinner. That person's not ready probably to be saved. They need to understand not everybody's a sinner, but they are in trouble. And the law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul and giving them the scriptures and truth and making sure they understand you can't bring conviction, but you need to give it clear. Jesus said, no, you know, you, you've, you've been married five times and you're living in adultery now. The man you're living with, you're not married to him. She said, whoa, I perceive you're a prophet. Let's change the subject. Let's talk about religion. You can see her divert that away from her sin to religious Says, You say that we should worship in Jerusalem and we worship in this mountain, obviously because they weren't welcome in Jerusalem. He said, where do you worship the Lord? And that's where uh, Jesus will tell her. He said, look, um, God, is, God is seeking such to worship him. And it's, worship is not about a place. It's about a person. And God's going to tell them that it's not in this mountain or that mountain. It's going to be uh, with, uh, with Jesus Christ, with him. And he begins to tell her that. And she says a little bit of uh, after listening to him explain that uh, she says something like this. She says, um, you know, one thing we can agree on, I know the Messiah is coming. You know, most religious, most people in the world know there's something winding down in society. One thing I'm excited about in October and having an end time conference and a prophecy conference because I think people are interested and want some answers on what's going on. They can see the world's running around with their hair on fire and there's all kinds of issues. And they're like, something's, like, something's got gone crazy. And so uh, she said, I know this, that the Messiah is coming. You believe that and I believe that. And when he comes, he'll make everything clear. And that's when Jesus said, I'm him. And she said, I knew it. She dropped her water buckets and she ran past the apostles coming to the coming in with the McDonald's uh, sandwiches there. And uh, they, they he went back, they went back in, and they saw him talking to her, and they're like, whoa, what is he doing? Because he was a man, she was a woman, he was a Jew, she was Samaritan, for the same reason that she wondered why he talked to them. But no man dares to ask him, why? Why are you talking to him? But after they got through all that and the disciples, the Bible tells us that they said, Master, eat. We have brought the food. We're eating, you eat. And Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. He goes, I've already eaten. Because God's satisfaction is reconciliation. What really gets God happy, what got Jesus happy, was when a sinner comes to the safe. That lady went into town and began to tell over the men, guys, I just found someone who knows all about me, everything about me, and he still loves me. you got to meet him. Come on. I think he's the Messiah. I think he's come to our town. And she went in and got everybody excited about that. Let's look at the passage of Scripture real quickly. We're in John chapter 4, and the Bible says this. In the meanwhile, verse 31 in the meanwhile, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat, he said unto them, I have meat or satisfaction or fulfillment. How many have ever been really hungry? How many are really hungry right this moment? You, you, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, you know, one thing when, you're, when your stomach starts talking to you, when you swallow and your stomach says, thank you, you say, man, I got to get something to eat. I had a one a, moment, a matter of fact, I had several moments like that this last week. But one moment in particular, I remember thinking, man, I got to eat. My stomach is talking. My my stomach thinks my throat's been cut (laughs) and I got to get something to eat here. Uh, But I I remember thinking back, he goes, You know, but what really fills me up is, he tells us in verse number 31, uh, verse 32, he says, My meat is to, that you know, I've got meat that you know it up. Verse 33, therefore said his disciples one time, Hath any man brought him ought to eat? Anyone else give him food while we were out of the way? Verse 34, Jesus said unto him, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. There's two W words there. What are the two W words there in that verse? Will and? All right, here's what we understand. Winning people to Christ is the will of God. Say, Pastor, I want to do the will of God. You want to be a soul winner. Because God is not willing that any should perish. So the will of winning people to Christ, getting the gospel to people, is the will of God. Number two, it's the work of God. We are laborers together with him. How many of you can win someone to Christ? You can win someone to Christ. The truth of the matter is you can't. Have you ever, have you ever met someone who said, I've had this happen to me before, and I know I, I just tricked you on that. I didn't mean to do that on purpose. If I embarrassed you in front of your spouse, or your boyfriend or girlfriend, please forgive me. However, every once in a while, I've led someone to Christ, and they'll introduce me. They'll say, Dad... This is Pastor Wilkerson. He saved me. And I'll say, no, I didn't. (laughs) That wasn't me. That was the Lord. God does all the saving. He does all the convicting. It's his word. It's his gospel. It's his son. It's his command. It's it's his commission. Uh, Everything is God. At the same time, he says, says, my means do the will. It's the will of God and it's the work of God. Now, those two things, you say, Pastor, I know that already. I don't think we we oftentimes think about that. That what we're doing is what God wants us to do, and it's His work. If someone sits and puts free Bibles out, whoever comes there, you know who's already done the work to get that person curious enough enough to come get a Bible? Yeah, the Lord has to do that. It's crazy this morning, he had a good man, Will, get baptized. He got saved yesterday. Brother Brother Moffat led him to the Lord, and what a beautiful testimony. Four weeks ago, his dad is sitting in his house here locally and says, God, would you send somebody to tell me what kind of church I should go to? Someone to invite me to church. And a a week later, Jason Clifford and Brother Jack Mitchell go to his door, invite him to come to church, and man, this is amazing. I was just praying that someone would invite me to come to church. And he's been coming for the last couple weeks, and now his, brother, his son got saved yesterday and got baptized today with his wife and children here. Beautiful testimony. You know who did all that work? It's the Lord. It's his work. You know, all that it took to get the gospel to you and me, there's no human element that could do that. Tonight we have a precious friend, Lingu, who's going to get baptized in a few moments. And he's from, he's from India, he wasn't raised like we were raised. We'll rejoice with his baptism, but not everybody in his sphere of influence will be happy about him getting baptized tonight. But all that it took to get Lingu to Jesus is unbelievable. You'll hear a little bit of it tonight when I baptized him. But just everything that will will take place to bring someone to Jesus Christ, everything it took to you, you say, well, Pastor, I got saved when I was five, when I was six. It's still a miracle of God's grace. And some of us, we get saved out of a life of sin. Some of us get saved from a life of sin. By the way, if God saves you from a life of sin, you get saved when you're young, don't climb back into the sewer of this world and try to figure out drinking and immorality. Don't do that. Thank God for He saved you young and stay faithful to the Lord. But He said here, it's the will of God and it's the work of God. That's an important thing. I need to hasten real quickly. Here's a couple thoughts I'll share with you in closing. Let's look if we can at verse number, verse number 30, to finishes were work, verse 35. Say ye not, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the, for they are or ready to harvest. That's the people coming from town with this woman, I believe. The first thing, he said, say not four months, and then cometh harvest. He says, don't say, one day I'll be a soul winner. Not now, but one day. No, it's now is time. There needs read, soul winners need to have a readiness. You know who gives out gospel tracts? If you don't have them you're not giving them out. You got to be thinking, Lord, is today you want me to talk to someone about Christ? Do you have a new testament ready? Folks who are going out soul winning, you've got to have a New Testament. You're going to go out and make a bus call. You may be just going to a bus call and trying to get kids on the bus. you got to have a soul winner's New Testament with you because you might be able to do it. I and mean, if you're on the airplane, have a soul winner's New Testament with you. Have an opportunity where I want to take my Bible. Got one in the car. You need to have a readiness. Boy, this week I missed an opportunity, and I grieved as I thought about it. I, I did give the gospel. I gave a track, and the lady wasn't really interested but I, I thought to myself, you know, she was so talkative. I should have done more. I should have engaged more. At least ask her for the chance to show her from the Bible how to be saved. And I, and I, and I really kicked myself as I left that setting. I thought, Lord, please forgive me. Don't let me be so negligent next time. And by the way, I was, I was a little bit intimidated. And he said, Pastor, why? You're a pastor. I don't know why. But sometimes I get fearful. I get nervous. I think, oh, they're not going to accept it, or maybe it's not the right time, or whatever. And I, I just need to, I need to be more aggressive in that series. He said, look, you've got to be ready. Say not four months, and then comes harvest. There's somebody who will get saved this week in your sphere of influence. Somebody. Every one of us. And Brother, Brother, Brother Abdel's already challenged us tonight about that. There needs to be a readiness. Number two, there needs to be a responsibility. Lift up your eyes and look on the... Okay, the responsibility is to be aware, be ready and be aware who it is God wants you to work with. Who was it who was bringing all those people from the town out to see Jesus? God did all the work. He's the one who planted, he's the one who started everything and he said, I want you to join me in this. So it's his will, it's his work, we need to be ready, we need to be responsible, we need to be alert. Be on soul patrol. Say, God, is this the person? Give me someone. Who is it you want to use me? To, to win to Christ. God's going to put some. He's, he is more interested in this than you and I could ever be. Let's look at the next thing if we can, please. In verse the Bible says in verse number 36, and he that reapeth receiveth what? This is talking about rewards. So there needs to be a readiness. And there needs to be a responsibility to lift your eyes, look in the fields, see who it is that God wants you to do. He said, look, if you get involved in the harvest with me, you will receive wages. Look at this wages and gathereth fruit unto life. How long does this life last? That both he that soweth, he that reapeth, they rejoice together. This is another thought. And this is something that I, I don't know how you're wired, but you are wired similar to me. And that is, You have the question, if I do this, what is it in it for me? You know, the Bible says, give and it shall be. That's God. I didn't write that. The Lord wrote that. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For him that cometh to God must believe two things about God, that that he is who he said he was and that he is a what? Rewarder. Most of us do not trust God's rewarding process. We're not sure if we witness and we're ready and we're responsible that God will reward us. He said, but whoever gets in the harvest with me and reaps with me, I pay them. And I pay them to life eternal. And then we find a second, a third, third fourth concept, and that is rejoicing. That both he that soweth and he that, he that reapeth can rejoice How? Together, he that goeth forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. See, there is great joy when people get saved. I don't know about you, but I was listening to that video tonight with uh, Jason Vader. When I saw him in that baptistry, I could not help but smile. I thought Man, that's great. There brings joy to the work of God, to your own heart when God uses you. So, four words. Ready. Be responsible. Remember there's rewards, and there will be rejoicing. And then the Bible says the last thought is there's a role. Now, I wish I was the only one, and and almost everyone I have led to Christ in my short, irresponsible time of winning to people, I've not done a good job with that, but everyone I've led to Christ, I've never, in my opinion, been the only factor. There's always been other people. Brother John, again, is a great example of this. Brother John, lift your hand if you would, please. Brother John, uh, Teddy, uh, Brother Tucker, Brother Jamie Tucker, worked with him for years, invited him to come. He didn't come. He's a hard head. Connie Vignera, Vigneri, she invited him to come. He didn't come. His wife passed away. She got saved. His wife passed away, and, and Connie got him to come, I think, for church one time. And, and uh, I was over in college. I was in the college one day, and, and uh, I had about 45 minutes until I had to be in class. I called Miss Jean. and said, Jean, I think there's a couple visitors in this area. Tell me one of them. Because well, John DeGann? Yeah, where does he live? He lives off the end of Burr. Okay, I'll go down there. And I went down there. I knocked on the door. I was by myself that day. It was just in between responsibilities, leaving Hammond Baptist visit with Brother, Brother Woosley and going over to the college to meet there. I knocked on his door. He opened the door. Anytime before 12, he's always in his pajamas. Just keep that in mind there. now nah, I'm just joking. He wasn't doing it. He, he said, hey. I said, I'm John Wilkins. He goes, I remember you from the church. I said, I'm just checking to see if I could come in and talk to you. He goes, come on in, Rev. And so he had me come in. I came in. We talked about numbers of things, and we sat down at his dining room table and began to explain the gospel. And he said, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I'm a good person. I don't do a lot of bad stuff. And I said, okay. I said, so when did you believe and receive Christ? Do you, if you could go to heaven by being good, not doing bad, who, why would we need Jesus? He goes, that's a good question. He goes, I guess if you ask that way, I don't think I have a time in a place like that. I said, can I show you from the Bible? Well, that day I went through the gospel and, and John trusted Jesus as a savior. And of course, since that time, he's gotten baptized, gone through discipleship, goes to the Bible Institute and now is married to his precious bride there. We're very thankful. But, um, I'll never forget when his, he had a visitor one day. I saw her in the back over here, and she said, uh, I said, who's this? He goes, Pastor, it's my daughter. She lives in Springfield, Missouri. I said, I am so glad to meet you. We talked for a second, went out in the hallway, and then she took my arm, and she pulled me over. She said, Pastor, thank you for going to see my dad. I've been talking to him for a long time, but I've been praying for him for 25 years that God would save him. I am so glad you went to see him thank you. And her heart was just so happy. You know, I was reminded again, everyone who gets saved, there's a role. Someone plants, someone waters, and God gives the increase. Remember, years ago, I was walking down a sidewalk. Linda, I told Linda, drop me off at the Civic Center down in Long Beach, and I'll just walk back to the church. It's 10 blocks. I had about 10 tracks with me. I didn't have any more. I had them in the New Testament. I said, "Just drop me off, and I'll walk down to the church." And so I was a little selective in who I gave the tracks with. And we were going to do that this week a little bit, asking God, "Who do I want to get in a conversation with?" I'll never forget. I I was walking. I had only about three more tracks left, and I had a track in my pocket. And I uh, I saw a guy sitting on a, a, a flower planter, out there drink, smoking a cigarette, and he had a Dr Pepper beside him. And I went. I felt. I felt. I went to give him the gospel track. And I, when I did, I, I saw him, and he was sitting. And he was reading the very track I was trying to give to him. So I put my track back and I put it in my pocket. And I said, hey, what are you reading there? He goes, you know, this morning I, I came out of, I came out of the, 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 uh, the little convenience store. I got my Dr. Pepper and my Cheetos and a pack of smokes. And I just uh, went out and someone says, you know, if you knew how much God loves you, you'd want to read this paper. And I, and I thought to myself, God loves everybody. But I put it in my pocket. So, I've been inside working. I just came out to get some fresh air. And um, he said, I just came out and, um, and I'm sitting here and I've read this thing three times. I don't understand it. He said, You think if I went to that church tomorrow, they'd show me you know, what it means? I said, I sure do. I said, I can probably show it to you now. He said, Really? He said, Sit down. I sat down beside him and I went through that gospel track. But I had my New Testament, so I went through the gospel track with my, with my Bible at the end, he goes, that's the best thing I've ever heard. So would you, Felix, if, if Jesus wouldn't accept your sin, would you accept Jesus? He said, I would. And right there, he accepted the Lord as his Savior. The next night, he got baptized. He came. He had to work on Sunday morning, worked for American Airlines. But he, worked on, he came Sunday night. He got baptized that night. He went through discipleship. When I was asked to be your pastor 10 years ago, one of the challenging things about moving here is we have a son that's buried at the Forest Lawn Cemetery there in Long Beach. And Linda and I would go out there regularly and cut the little thing and take down the, the, the brass cleaner and clean the, clean the marker. And the brothers and sisters, maybe, it, it was okay to them, but for mom and dad, it was a little more tender spot for us. But it was like, ah. I never forget whenever Felix said, hey, Pastor, every week I'll go out there and I'll take care. And he would send me picture after picture every week of, cleaning it, and cutting it out until he went home to be with the Lord. But, you know, I couldn't tell you that story if someone else hadn't given the track the first time. I would have just handed it to him and probably moved on. But because someone gave a track and they planted, and God provoked his heart to come out and read it three times through, and be curious about it, to even tell me, I, don't, I wonder if I can went to that church tomorrow. I remember looking at the end. I have a picture of myself on that, on that track. He goes, hey, that's you. I said, yeah, that's me. <laughs> You're the pastor? God sent the pastor to me. I said, yeah, that's what God did. He loves you. You know, truth of the matter is, it's a role. Readiness, responsibility, rewards, rejoicing, and a role. And you can do your role, whatever it might be. I hope this month will take really seriously our responsibility to say, God, do something and use me. Let's pray together.